Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddock. Hello, everyone. Let me tell you, we are so excited for today's show. So we're going to start out with a letter from a listener. And then we are going to the most amazing special guest, Marty Michelle. Uh, She is a true game changer in our industry and has been since the early 70s. So we are just dying to get to that conversation. But as we wrap up the show, we're going to end with our Fine Finishes segment. And we're going to be talking about comparison and losing your sojo. So how are you, ladies? I'm doing well. How about you, Ginger? I'm doing really well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Tracy? I'm good. Getting there. (laughs) I'm going to say firmly, and we'll get to it in the final segment. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So I got a letter from a listener a while back, and and we just haven't had time lately to read any of our letters. I think we've got about three or four um, in the queue. And so I wanted to read this one from Mary Hokum. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, She lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, she wrote in and said, Dear Quilt and Tell, since I'm a quilter, not a techie person, I receive your podcast notifications via email only, or I go to your website. Therefore, I felt it important that I give you some feedback regarding your amazing podcasts. Isn't she sweet? Yes. (laughs) As of today, I have listened to every single Quilt and Tell podcast and Quilting Arts podcast. She's been busy. Not really. I wanted to let you know how grateful I am for your podcasts, especially the numerous Quilt and Tell podcasts, which I just recently learned about due to the pandemic. It has greatly helped me keep my sanity during these months of separation from family and friends. The deaths of numerous close relatives and friends. She lost six people in two months. Wow. I have shared your site with my family and friends. Since I also do art quilts besides traditional quilting, I'm very appreciative that you have also started the Quilting Art Pods, Quilting Arts Podcasts. I am just having trouble talking today. All right. So I'm also interested to learn more about modern quilting. There is simply so much to learn about quilting, an outlet for creativity, an educational opportunity, meditative health benefits. I could go on and on. Even though I've been quilting for decades, I learn a lot from your podcasts. Much of the time, the discussions reaffirm some of my quilting preferences, dislikes, techniques, etc. Other times, I'm learning about new products, tools, options, or other quilters' tips and techniques. The written portions, photos, and links, I guess she's talking about our our, um, notes, the show notes, Mm -hmm. are also very helpful and informative. So I don't need to take notes while I listen to the podcast. So that's a good point. While listening to your podcast, it feels like I have three or four quilting friends visiting in my quilting studio. As I'm busy working on my quilting projects, I really enjoy listening to all of the well-known famous quilters, really realizing that they are real people just like the rest of us. It's fun to hear their tips and techniques, as well as their stories. I was glad that I went back and listened to the podcast to hear more about the background stories of the podcast hosts. I feel more like I really know you better, um, value their comments more, and empathize with their day-to-day challenges. I have a tip to share with your listeners, one that I've learned from experience. Did you know that there are two sharp sides to every rotary cutter blade? When your new blade gets dull, simply turn it over and it cuts as well as a new blade. No need to sharpen rotary blades until both sides of your rotary cutter blades are dull. As a reminder, when I put on a new blade, I place a piece of masking tape on the rotary cutter with the words new blade. When I turn the blade over to the other side, I replace the previous masking tape with the words both sides used. Saves me a lot of money, time, and stress. That is a really good tip. Um, 
<laughs> my main recommendation for your podcast would be that it would be really nice if both Quilt and Tell and the Quilting Arts podcasts were each weekly instead of every other week, especially during this pandemic. I do realize that each of the hosts have real jobs and important work to do besides the podcasts. I also do understand that there's a lot of work that goes into developing the agenda and speakers for each podcast to make each podcast appear relaxed and fun. Thanks to each and every one of you for all that you do. All of you are greatly appreciated. Mary Hocum. Oh, we need to read more letters. <laughs> <laughs> makes that's you feel so good. Great. And that's it a really does. good tip about the blade. Isn't oh, it's so it? Good. I've never heard that. But oh. it, when you think about it, it makes absolute sense. It does. I did know that. And so sometimes when my blade is getting a little funny, another tip, I'm going to piggyback on her tip, which is also just take it apart and clean it. Because sometimes mm. the lint gets on the other side. And sometimes that's why your rotary cutter might skip as you're you're using it. Um, but yeah, I did know that one. Um, and it it does extend the life of your rotary blade, for sure. Yep, and, and let this be a good reminder to everybody, go either change your blade, check your blade, do something, because I <laughs> can't even remember the last time I did mine. Oh, so. <laughs> and, you know, when you change it, you realize, like, oh, my gosh, what? I didn't realize I was pushing so hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, are you guys ready to go talk to Marty Michelle? Oh, I certainly wait. am. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. All right, let's go. Today in our open studio segment, we have a very special guest. Marty Michelle joins us. And let me tell you, she is a true game changer in the quilting industry. She is a quilt designer, a fabric designer, an author, a teacher, a manufacturer. Um, She really makes quilting easy for all of us and has changed so many things over the years that um, has us where we are today in this industry. Um, We are so excited to chat with you today. Welcome to the show, Marty. Thank you so much. And what a nice introduction. That always makes me smile. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I actually, I remember my first quilt market. It was 2012. Mm-hmm. And I sought out your booth because I was, I just was dying to meet you. And, <laughs> and you well, were, so, <laughs> you were so kind and, oh, thank you. um, and, and I even got to speak to your husband for a while and had just the most delightful time. <laughs> well, thank you. That's great. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, and I think the thing that struck me was that I've been quilting since probably, let me think, 1993-ish. And um, so I've known your name all that time. Right. Um, Right. So why don't we start and talk a little bit. I want to really go back to the beginning because you started, (laughs) your first patchwork piece was when? Uh, 1969. I'm the only one that was born then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was around then too, Marty. (laughs) Uh, And not only that, see, I would like to pretend I did that when I was seven. (laughs) But But in fact, I made a patchwork. It was the era of prairie dresses yes. and uh, I had made clothes for our daughter Stacy for summer and I took all the patchworks all the scraps and cut them in squares and made patchwork and made the cutest little prairie dress for her and I was hooked <laughs> I was hooked wow <laughs> and back then I mean I imagine there I remember how hard it was to find fabric in the oh, 90s yes. But I can't imagine how hard it was to find fabric in 1969. Right, because uh, 100% cotton was very hard to find. It was all polyester, double knits, and so on. And uh, so, yes. And that was really what led us into the business, in fact. Um, I was a graduate 
uh, textiles and clothing and uh, home ec journalism at Iowa State. And I loved everything about sewing except quilting because I didn't know anything about quilting. And uh, so when we moved uh, to Atlanta, uh, both kids were old enough to be in school. I didn't want a full-time job. And so I started a small sewing school in our home. And it was for garments, though. I wanted to. I wanted to teach people how to make bound buttonholes and <laughs> tailoring. Yeah. And I found out real quickly, they really were more there because it was Tuesday and they were new in town and they didn't have anything else to do, you know. And I was playing, <laughs> I was playing with the patchwork. And they quickly realized that didn't have to fit them. We wouldn't mm. have to do measurements in front of each other, you know. We wouldn't uh, uh, have have set-in sleeves or zippers or anything. And they kept asking me to do that, to teach those classes. And I was like, no, 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 I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, you know, there weren't books. There were a couple of old books at the library. Uh, very little information about how to quilt. And finally, I, you mentioned my husband. I said to Richard, you know, I've told them I don't really know what I'm doing, and they still want to pay me to tell them what I know. <laughs> so you, you invented the fake it till you make it then yes. as well. <laughs> right. Right. I didn't know that was you. <laughs> and so, because it was so hard to get fabric, I did all the fat. I said, okay, I'll make kits for you. And I did the fabric shopping, and I wrote the instructions, and I sold them the kit. And then I told them, I, then I got paid to tell them how to make it. <laughs> so one kit led to another and yes. so on. Well, and it sounds like the social aspect of quilting was also like it really kind of was a big part of it um, because mm -hmm. it is probably a lot easier to be social when you're working on a quilt as opposed to a garment. Um, so that's kind of interesting, too. Yeah, I think I hadn't actually thought about that. But yes, you're right. And uh, and it is very social. And at that then, this kind of evolved briefly into a time when I was with a small group that uh, we quilted in our prairie dresses at a quilt oh. frame at the Atlanta Historical Society. Mm. I forget oh, what tell it me was. you have pictures. I, I don't. Ah. Uh, I, I don't think I do. And if I did, you know, they'd be so... I know, you'd have you to... You know, a little teeny uh. film and... Oh. <laughs> that adds to the charm. <laughs> yeah, so, and the hand quilting and so on. And, and then all of a sudden we had this business because our, my students' friends wanted kits and other people wanted kits. And I had a friend that wanted to do craft shows and with me. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I can do kits and I'll do a few finished things. Well, it's a whole lot easier to make money on a kit than on a finished quilted item. You all know mm -hmm. that. Oh, yes. And, and uh, so the, the kit business grew and grew and, and uh, grew. And, um, and then my friend and I had a little consignment store, and, and I sold a lot of kits there. And then uh, we were, my family's in Iowa, and we were driving home for Christmas, snowy, snowy roads, and... I'm talking more to keep Richard awake while he's driving than because I'm serious about anything, you know. And I said, I think maybe next year I'll see if I can sell kits to some other stores in Atlanta. And he said, if you're going to go to that trouble, why would you limit yourself to the Atlanta market? I said, what? <laughs> and, I, and I said that's that that sentence was my introduction to business 
And uh, so I, I knew about the gift markets, you know, for the stores and uh, was able to go to the Atlanta gift market the next in January. And I went around and asked people if they would uh, sell our kits. You know, it's really nice sometimes not to know what you should do, how you <laughs> should mm-hmm. approach building a business. Because, you know, I'm sure most of them were like, what? Of course not. Why would we, you know? But uh, one mother-daughter team said, oh, we love it. It, it was a puff calico Christmas wreath. They said, ah, oh, we love it. We're going to Chicago gift show next week. Can you have samples ready? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and we did. And we, <laughs> so you said we, yes, of course. We I named can. the company. We put it together a price list. Uh, yeah, I think that was the uh, say yes and figure out how moment, you know. And uh, then uh, they went to market. At the end of that week, they called us <laughs> with a thousand dollars worth of orders on a Christmas patchwork wreath. In January. Wow. Oh my gosh. And so oh. now to give you an idea of thousand dollars at that time, I believe our Chevy Impala was two thousand five hundred. Wow. So was that like the moment you realized that you were pioneering something that hadn't been done? Or like was that yeah, really the I moment? I'm not sure we ever realized that. We just kind of kept moving forward, you know, seeing I, I think you kind of say seeing a door and stepping through. You know? mm-hmm. Did and you ever want to have a business like this? Or did I you never. just keep saying yes? <laughs> I think that's what happened. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. You know, um, I used to say uh, if I ever retired, all I would want to do is, is uh, quilt. So if I might as well not retire. I just keep quilting, you know. And, mm-hmm. But I think now I realized I love taking a product to market and having people like it and improve their quilting and improve their lifestyle, you know. So I don't think I can retire. I really like the whole process. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys, but <laughs> it does. <laughs> Definitely it does. Yeah. But there's no, a, and it's... a lot of satisfaction in making a quilt. There's also a lot of satisfaction in making a quilt somebody else wants to make. Well, mm-hmm. look at what you guys do. Yes. You publish the ideas for people to follow through on. You're doing the same thing. Yes. Really. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and there's a lot of creative satisfaction with that, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every magazine, boy, when you finally get to put that done on it, aren't you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lori and I are both in, in the final stages right now. So we're in a little bit in the sweating, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do we how, how are there enough hours in the day? You are the reason why we have schoolhouse at market. Yes. Um, how but, did you come up with that idea? Well, be, because. <laughs> Now, that was the first market was actually eight or nine years after we did our first little kits. And by that time, we were probably a company with um, 50 to 75 employees. And we were printing fabric and had our own batting line. You know, we were an established business then. And um, but. We were selling through all kinds of avenues, the fabric shows, the needlework shows, the gift shows, and, uh, and a lot of shows. And I was like, when, when Carrie Bresenham first announced Quilt Market, at first I was like, oh, no, another show. I don't really want another show. And then I went, wait a minute. This is the show we should be at. And uh, so I... And I called Carrie and I said, uh, it was only a two-day show in Houston then in a church, in a church basement. Wow. Maybe the hotel. Maybe the hotel okay. that year. 
I think it was just the festival that was in the church basement. And I had gone to it the year before, and I called her. I said, we had just started publishing books. You know, uh, we were really the first people um, to publish books that sold in quilt shops. There were books that sold in bookstores, but they had an entirely different marketing system, and they would not sell just three or four titles to a quilt store. They wouldn't even sell to us to distribute to quilt stores. And so we had uh, four books in the works. And I called Carrie and I said, how would it be, would you be okay with me inviting quilt shops to Houston a day early to, and we would provide the speakers and do this whole day with quilt shops before market, the day before market. And I always say I introduced Carrie to corporate sponsorship because mm, it was oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Right, she turned right around and called uh, Fairfield Batting and Concord Fabrics and got sponsors for the style shows. That do you remember the style shows when we used to have style shows at market? Anyway, anyway. Uh, she was like, yes, yes, that'd be great, do it. And so we did it until we sold our company in 85. And at that time, and she allowed us to keep doing that, uh, only our company for the set every day before market. And then when we sold the company, she said, would you continue to do this and organize it for the whole show? And so it it evolved, and we've done it ever since. I think I figured out the other day something like, uh, you know, 80 schoolhouse events. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love the fact that you come up with these ideas, and they just sound like, oh, yeah, why aren't we doing these? Like, why? Like, every idea you've, like, proposed, it's like, well, yeah, of course we should obvious. be doing that. Yeah, it was the obvious <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> Next step, obvious, yeah. Yeah, good fun. So what is it like to look back at all the history that you have? It, it's like, do you ever just really kind of take that moment of like, wow, I helped build this? <laughs> you know, uh, I I did that little timeline thing uh, uh, two years ago, I think. the We were really honored. And I keep saying we because uh, after the first two or three years, Richard and I have worked fully together. He had another uh, job, um, and it e- evolved that I really needed more help, but he loved that job, and I didn't want to ask him. And uh, the company that uh, he was in the nuclear power industry, and the, uh, uh, there was a, a kind of a bubble burst in that industry, and he became available and said, well, let me help you out for six or nine months until, and then I'll look for another job. And then he just stayed, and it was good. And then, well, it sounds like quilting might be a little safer. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had, we've really had a great uh, uh, time, you know, working together and uh, and being together. It's been fabulous. Well, I'm a firm believer a quilting husband is, it, it takes a certain kind of man. It really yeah. does. And and it's a good man. Like I have met so many husbands of quilters that just are so supportive and just get it. And they're like, no, it makes them happy. Let them go. Let them do. And it sounds like you found one of the best. <laughs> well, I found one of the best because he was very happy to encourage me to do my best. And a lot of husbands aren't, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I, I did. I found a really good husband, <laughs> and I, I hope to think he found a find a good found a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, you so. guys sound like a dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, but anyway, a couple of years ago, the International Quilt Museum in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, 
chose to honor, uh, I think for the first time, commercialism in quilting. You know, all of their other shows have been um, antique quilts and quilt artists and quilts from a certain country and so on. And uh, so when they called and asked if if they could um, work with us on a special exhibit, I kind of put together that timeline for them. And when I did that, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, it is. It's nice. It's to impressive. Mm-hmm. I want to ask about the, the rotary cutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because because now to explain what happened when the, the rotary cutter came to okay. the United States. It was invented in Japan, yes? Invented in Japan in 1979. And I believe it was at the Needlework Show in January of 1980 <clears throat> that um, it was, there was a company then called Yarn Loft International owned by Barbara Sweetman. And Barbara Sweetman's father, as I understand it, did importing and so on, a lot of things from Japan. And he brought this rotary cutter thing back because he told somebody his daughter was in the yarn business and they said, oh, you need this. And, and, and they brought it to show us at at uh, Quilt Market then in, I mean, at the... Uh, uh, needlework show. And I just looked at it and went, pizza cutter. Pizza cutter. <laughs> That's what my daughter calls it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I don't understand how you think we're going to cut fabric with that. I cut on my dining room table. And this is not, you know, they did not bring mats. <laughs> and, and so I just you know, not I. I don't get it. And uh, a few months later, uh, I had realized I had heard that there were mats, and I was still kind of like, it doesn't. You know, uh, how do you control it? And I uh, had we had a salesman in California who had uh, who called me to say, can you extend credit to this new store? And I had asked the name, and he said, Crazy Ladies and Friends. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, would you extend credit to that name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's not that big of order. Sure. And I knew it's going to be in California. So I went out specifically to see who this was that named their store Crazy Ladies and Friends. It was Mary Ellen Hopkins. And, <laughs> and, and um, so we felt we were just having a great time visiting and so on. You can't help but with Mary Ellen. And uh, Mary Ellen, uh, well, both of I had done a, some things where I was cutting strips of fabric, but it was hard because you had to, you could either tear, which I didn't want to do. Or, you know, you'd measure an inch and a half and then you'd try to connect the inch and a half with uh, a warped yard st stick and, <laughs> and then cut with yeah. scissors. Mm -hmm. So, um, but Mary Ellen had, had acrylic strips made that were an inch wide by 24 inches, an inch and a half by 24 inches, uh, two inches by 24 inches, things like that. And she put those down and drew with a pencil and cut with scissors and showed me this. And I said, have you seen those pizza cutter kind of things, those rotary cutters? And she said, and I said, wouldn't those be perfect to cut with? And she said, oh my gosh. I have them hanging on the wall over here. I never, ever thought of it. And I always say that's the night that quilting changed. Wow. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Be because <laughs> she, didn't, she did not have a mat, but we knew there were mats. 
and we stacked up newspaper and <laughs> pulled out fabric and cut strips. And uh, I, I got on the phone that night and said to Richard, this is going to change everything. And wow. by the time I left town, Mary Ellen and I, I had hired Mary Ellen. <laughs> and, and we, were, we uh, started seminars for shop owners and their teachers. And she had a nice little collection of some strip technique things, you know, rail fence, Irish chain. Mm-hmm. And we went, uh, we would have 45, maybe 50 people every month in a different major town all around the country. And, you know, I, if you can remember how excited you were when you did your first cut strips with a rotary cutter thing and sewed them together and had a quilt the next day, um, you can imagine how fast that spread, you know, like pebbles in a stream. Every, every one of those people who taught, taught how many people, you know. So uh, that, that first year was really amazing. And, and then on top of it, one of the first seminars, three, four, three or four months into this, uh, one of the people who came was Harriet Hargrave. And <laughs> yeah, it gets better. And <laughs> oh, so, wow. <laughs> and so Harriet, we had asked people to bring a show and tell. Well, Harriet had been doing free motion embroidery on her sewing machine. Now, I've always laughed at myself because I graduated in textiles and clothing, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could lower your feed dogs on your oh, sewing machine. Right? Well, there in was, some machines you couldn't. Yeah, yeah. and there was, there was really <laughs> no reason. But Harriet had um, done a feathered wreath machine quilted on the sample that she brought for show and tell. And I said, I can sell people on machine quilting this way. I had, we had just started quilting in the ditch and invisible thread and, you know, but the whole thing was don't let anybody see machine quilting. If it's not hand quilted, it's not really a quilt, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And, and uh, so the next seminar that we had, Harriet came and taught the last day and taught uh, uh, machine quilting and free motion quilting. Wow. And then the, took her to market in 84, I believe, the first market that, uh, where we took Harriet for our schoolhouse event. Maybe 83, doesn't matter. And, uh, and it was really fun to watch people watch her. Because there were those people with their arms really, 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 really mm-hmm. tight across their chest. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were those people leaning over trying to look more closely at what <laughs> she was doing. And the bipartisan had begun. Oh, <laughs> it all started in quilting. <laughs> yes. So true. So true. Oh and, and uh, you know, so it's it's all been a real evolution and it's just been a terrific journey. <laughs> I've been, you know, I'm I'm sorry for people who haven't traveled it quite as long as we have because the history of it is so much fun well and these are all things that we just take for granted now yes. like that's yes. what's so amazing like the thought that like oh yeah somebody did have to start that and it was yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of things like that yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. now machine yeah. quilting then you know one of the next things was well it actually was in between those two events in between starting the business and rotary cutting. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, what we lovingly call the woman's day quilt. Uh, I was about to ask. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because 
uh, we were selling at needlework shows that were in New York on a regular basis, a lot of the New York magazines came uh, to see us. And uh, I was working with a lady from Woman's Day magazine who wanted to kit some uh, quilts from the Shelburne Museum in uh, Vermont. And uh, would could we do that? And I said, sure, we can do that. I'll be, we'll be happy to do that with you. And uh, when I called to confirm my appointment with her uh, for the meeting to talk over this, she said to me, just as she was hanging up, uh, if you have any ideas for what I can do for February next year, bring them along to the meeting because I am whatever, something had fallen through and she needed something for February. And I had been thinking in my head about how to, I had seen antique quilts, log cabin quilts, where they did a, uh, what we now call, uh, you know, paper piecing, except they did hand piecing on a fabric foundation. Mm-hmm. Then they layered it and quilted it. And I was like, well, why not put batting in there in mm-hmm. between? And when you stitch it, you've quilted it. And um, I, put, I put together two blocks and how to do the border. And I took them to New York. And we never, ever even talked about what to do with the Shelburne Museum. Wow. <laughs> because totally Gloria, sidetracked. <laughs> yeah, Gloria looked at that, and uh, I've always loved it because what Gloria said to me was, if you ever do a quilt kit where all I have to do is add water, <laughs> I will make a quilt. <laughs> so when is that coming but, out? Oh. But, <laughs> but she... But she looked at the at what I had shown her in the step by step and stuff. She said, "I actually understand this. If I understand this, and I don't, I'm not even a, a seamstress. This is great. I we can sell this, you know. And we we sold and sold and sold. We that offer was so great, and we were doing all of the kit making that we actually had." Every morning at our plant, uh, uh, FedEx, uh, well, it was UPS then, UPS truck brought in, they brought in an 18-wheeler type truck, and we filled it with kits, and they went out that day. Oh, my gosh. Because it, ha- it had batting, so it was a big yes. box. Oh, yeah. You know, you, had, you couldn't start it right away if you didn't have quilt bat. And uh, so, and, and uh, we had a really nice batting that, Again, you know, I would say, um, I would say to Richard, I wish there was a quilt bat that was actually wide enough for your bed. At that time, they were 81 by 96. So if you wanted a queen quilt, you could, it wasn't wide enough. You had to cut something off the bottom and put it on the side. And he went out and found a fabulous another manufacturer, and we had our own brand of batting. So, yeah. Amazing. My gosh. Well, we have now talked for longer than I usually have any any guests, and we can still talk for probably another hour. I was going to say, I think we're going to have to do a part two down there. I think we are going to have to do a part two. Let's do, because I I didn't get to tell you my dream. Yeah. What? What? All right. Go ahead. Tell us your dream. Yeah, now we got to know. We got to know. Okay. I do a lot of machine quilting in sections. It started with that log cabin quilt. It evolved into all kinds of different procedures so that you can quilt on your home sewing machine and make the whole quilt. And my dream is that some magazine someday would say to me, oh, would you take one quilt out of every issue and we'll do a little page on well, could be Marty's way to machine quilt this in sections, or it could just be how to machine quilt this in sections. So that's my dream job. Oh, my gosh. 
I think I know some people that might I be able to make that happen. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and now Tracy I know. Tracy and I now, may have to arm wrestle. Right? I think we will. And and now I know why she's been so successful because <laughs> I think I need to start telling people what my dream is. <laughs> yes. Oh. All right. I think we might have to make that happen, huh, Lori? Oh, I would yeah. love that, you guys. All right. Could, All right. I could, well, even, I could even float from magazine to magazine. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We I have a lot any, of magazines. I don't, I don't want any broken arms from all the <laughs> There's enough of her to go around, ladies. Right. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. All right, Marty. Well, apparently, hey. Lori and I are going to be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you I, so much for joining us. Hey, I, it's almost like thank you guys for joining me because I didn't even let you talk. I have questions for you, too. Oh, we'll see. Now we've got to do a part two. Well, yeah, that's right. We'll flip the, flip the stage. <laughs> oh, how fun. I can do that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Shoot, I don't, on the other hand, I don't want another dream job I'm waiting for. I don't want to, I don't want to learn how to do the, be the podcast runner. No, don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, but you're like a natural at this too. Right? (laughs) She is. It's crazy. She's just good at everything. Uh, uh, Wouldn't that be nice? I love that. Keep talking that way. That just, that'll make my rest of my day. You guys have been great to invite me. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll look forward to our part two. Thank you so much, Marty. Bye now. So for fine finishes today, we're going to talk about when you feel like you lose your sojo. Maybe you compare yourself with other quilters and feel like you're less than they are. Not so fast. Not so good. What do you think, guys? It happens. <laughs> this one's it hitting does. home for me. It's really, Aww. really hitting home for me. Um, a few weeks ago, I actually, um, you know how on Facebook you get the memories of th- yeah. that day over the years right? that you've been a member? And um, it was about a week ago, I guess, on my, um, it came up a memory that I had said, I never get to sew except for assignments. And I'm not sure I know how to be creative anymore. And so I took, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't think it was as dire as that, but <laughs> I was definitely feeling a little bit like I needed to just spend some time actually sewing for myself. And so I took a screenshot of that and I posted it on Instagram. Oh my goodness. I got a lot of comments and there were some mm-hmm. tips, but there were also people who also felt the same way. And I shared it because I'm feeling that way again. Oh. And I think, you know, I mentioned that to Marty that, you know, our job, I, I realized as I was talking, as we were talking to her that our job is creative, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it, there are so many aspects of it that sort of deplete that well of creativity. And so oftentimes I get home and I'm tired and I don't want to do anything. But I also realized I completely lost my sojo and I didn't know where to start. So (laughs) this weekend, my neighbor had a baby and, um, and the funny thing was I, I only knew on like Wednesday that her due date was coming up. I thought she was due at the end of the month. So I thought I had time And I also realized she likes Halloween like me. So I was thinking, oh, well, I should add some like Halloween fabrics in this. And I really, I completely got hung up on a silly little baby quilt. So Sunday, I looked at my fabric. I grabbed a layer cake that I had and some white fabric. And I literally made half square triangles. <laughs> and back to the basics. Back to the basics, right? Yeah. And I just didn't think about it too hard. I picked out the fabrics from layer cake that I thought were cute and kind of went together. And then I made 10 inch squares out of the white fat quarters that I had. And I sewed them together and I started laying them out and I took some pictures of my layouts and 
Jay and Sydney were at the grocery store when they came home. I showed them the pictures and I was like, which one do you like? And they picked one. <laughs> they sewed it together. <laughs> and I literally think I've got to just keep doing that until I remember, you know, and, and I compare myself to Lori all the time because Lori's always like finishing quilts because she gives away quilts as gifts. So she's always uh-huh, making them in the yeah. back is always like super fancy. <laughs> uh-huh. But I also compare myself to our designers who submit these, you know, amazingly beautiful quilts sometimes. And, you know, some of them, that's what they do. You know, they just make quilt designs and sell patterns or they sell them to us. And it just sometimes makes me feel like I'm too slow. Well, if it helps, Tracy, I compare myself to you. <laughs> so you have to think of See, that. See, I think They're, we all yeah, do that, yeah, right? Yeah, no. I mean, everybody's got somebody that you're comparing yourself to. And it's just funny when you're on the other kind of not great side of it, you know, when you're looking at and you're feeling bad about it. But then there's somebody that's looking at you like that. You know, they go onto your Instagram and they see that and they're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, do that as well as Tracy does. So keep that in mind. I that's try, really I- good, Ginger. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know it. Lori, do you ever have any feelings like that? (laughs) Oh, if you could have been in my house for the last three weeks. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I had one that I was quilting for a friend, and it wasn't going well, and it totally bogged me down. Oh. Did you figure it out, though? Yeah. Well, it's done. It's, I'm a perfectionist and it's not perfect. So, so I still look at yeah. it and think, oh dear. Um, and it'll be fine. I mean, she'll look at it and she'll say, yeah, that's great. But, but you see the place where you messed but up. But I see the places that, yep. that didn't go as well as they could right. have. And, yeah, and sometimes you, always, you just have to kind of grab yourself by the bootstraps and say, I will finish this and <laughs> then I can move on and it'll mm-hmm. be better. Yep. Yep. I yep, had this no, moment and, where I realized that I was, you know, they were just half square triangles and big oversized half square triangles. I cut, I just picked a size. I cut them down. I started putting them together and, you know, there were a couple of spots where like my, um, my foot just sort of pushed the fabric so that the points didn't match up quite right. And I took out a couple of spots because I was that I thought that'll bother me. But there's one spot where I didn't, my point, I cut off my point and I left it because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is a baby quilt. Yeah, it's going to exactly. get washed a million times. Yeah. They're not quilters. And- I was gonna say if the babies baby start complaining, if the babies start complaining, we're all in trouble. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the baby right. will like it because it's bright colors and soft mm-hmm. and cuddly. Yes, yes. And so I, I feel you on that perfectionism thing because I feel like oh. if it's not exactly perfect, I tend to beat myself up. And you know yep. what? Better done is better than perfect, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. And, and like I'm, you said, they're not quilters. Most of the people that look at our quilts mm-hmm. don't know if we didn't get our points to match exactly. They don't know they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need to cut ourselves some slack sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, Lori, I know you just tell us this so that we all know that you are human. So, Oh, <laughs> oh you should see sometimes. Well, <laughs> but then... One of the things that I do that's just really fun for me is if I've got that block that things just really didn't go well, I put it on the back of the quilt because mm-hmm. it yep. doesn't matter there. It's just the back. I see that a isn't lot. Isn't that funny? Because we think the back is like often better than the front too because it's yeah, just using, yeah. you've had so much fun in that yeah. part, right? Yep. Exactly. Funny. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, and I know for me, I notice my sojo tends to really go down when I'm doing bigger projects. I'm so stoked at the top and like even halfway through, I'm still hanging in there. And then by the end of it, though, I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to finish this. It's never going to end. And 
I, I do. It's like I really have to motivate myself sometimes to like just get back in, finish it up, you know, do that. And then I find, you know, Tracy, kind of like what you did with the baby quilt, if I do a smaller, quicker project that I can just get through, that helps kind of build me back up again. It's almost like taking my confidence and, and you know, put it like, oh, yeah, I do. I do know how to do this. And oh, yeah, I can do this. And, you know, while I enjoy the challenge of those bigger projects sometimes, sometimes it's like, you know, after a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can go back and do this again. And, you know, you kind of crave for that newer thing. So I think right. for me, that's that's when I tend to notice like, oh, no, I'm kind of losing it. And, you know, this isn't fun anymore. And, you know, I, I want it to go back to being fun again. And so, you know, we all have our struggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a good time to go back to simple when when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Back to the basics. Yep. Yep. You know, that's such a good point, Lori. And and Ginger, I feel you on that. I, I still have moments like that. And a lot of projects that um that are waiting to be done that leaves me sometimes feeling like I don't even know where to begin. So I just grabbed fabric and cut it up and sewed it back together. And and I think I'm just gonna keep doing that for a while. Yeah. Not, not put yeah, so much just, pressure on it, you know? Yep. Yeah. No, don't, don't, don't overthink it. Just let it be. So true. <laughs> so true. And it, it's bringing me joy. So I'm just trying to, you know, bring in that Victoria Finley Wolf 15 minutes of play. Yep. That's right. And yep. find how to do it again. And I think it's working. Yay. Yay. Well, good. We'll keep it up. Keep it up. Yes. <laughs> we're here to cheer you along. Well, so whatever I'm, you need. <laughs> thank you so much. You guys always just make me feel so much better. And, and it's funny. It always feels better to admit how you're feeling and then realize that other people are feeling the same thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Amazing. All right. Well, it has been so much fun. I think we probably could have talked for a whole nother hour with Marty. Yes. yes. Um, or just listen. We didn't even need to talk. Right? We, we just listened. <laughs> we only got to 1984. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Oh, so uh, many. So it was a great movie year. But. <laughs> true, true, true. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.